From the highest mountains to the bluest seas, the driest deserts to the icy poles, Kate Turkington has traveled there. And now she's inviting you to travel with her through your radio. Travels with Kate is proudly brought to you with the compliments of Cape Union Mart. Kindle your spirit of adventure. The adventure starts here. Sundays at 12 midday, only on 101.9 High FM. Adventure. It's not some rare gene inherited by a few people. It's that human instinct to escape, explore, and discover new places and experience new things. That's why at Cape Union Mart, we strive to awaken this adventurous spirit. Because the best gifts are not things, but moments you create with people who matter. Every adventure starts with Cape Union Mart, with gifts like Salomon, the North Face, and K-Way Adventure Gear. Cape Union Mart, the adventure starts here. A very good afternoon to you. It's 101.9 High FM. I'm Kate Turkington, and we're going to be talking travel. Of course, it's Sunday at noon. Every Sunday from 12 to 1, we're talking travel. We're introducing you to some interesting people, and then we're talking books too. And we've got a fantastic guest coming up for uh, you today, somebody who's made his mark internationally, in a way, against the odds, but more of that, more of that and on. So what I'm going to do today to kick off the program is to suggest some top spots for your holiday break in Mpumalanga and uh, KwaZulu-Natal. And by the way, any places I recommend, I've gone there personally, I've stayed there personally. I haven't read off the terrible purple prose of some of the websites, you know, the glorious African sun setting over the bush and feed your soul and all that stuff. I've been there, I've done it, and I give you a very honest uh, opinion. So just before lockdown, I was in Mpumalanga, and I was at a place called... Malua Lodge. It's about 40, 40 minutes from uh, Kruger, I suppose, in, in Pumalanga. And at that stage, there were 35 visitors from all over the world. There was Canada, New Zealand, Austria, Sweden, New York. I had a dentist from New York who started stalking me because he found out I was the author of uh, photos, the South African version at the time, saw my photo on the back of the book and kept coming to uh, see me. He didn't offer to do my uh, teeth for me. Anyway, uh, Maluwa uh, Lodge, it's just six thatch and stone chalets. There are 12 safari tents, but safari, comfortable safari tents, two lovely, super uh, luxury suites and beautiful pool. And what's so nice is all this is tucked into uh, a, a, the bush felt. Uh, you could see the mountains in the morning, um, giraffe nibbling bushes outside my room. There was a family of uh, um, giraffe there. So very understated uh, luxury, but a perfect base for uh, exploring uh, Mpumalanga. You can take a, a guided day trip in an open uh, vehicle to Kruger Park. 
And that that evening, that group of international visitors I was telling you about were sharing their stories. I mean, they'd had a one-day trip to Kruger, and they were saying they saw lions and elephants and buffaloes and rhinos, but they hadn't seen any leopards. And I said to them, for a one-day safari outing, you've done you've done pretty well. And they all swore that evening they'd be back. Uh, to South Africa uh, one day. And then after the break, I want to tell you one of my highlights of Mpumalanga, where if you're just traveling north or if you happen to be in Mpumalanga, it really is a must-see, very affordable, 60 bucks uh, destination. I'll be back after the break. From the highest mountains to the bluest seas, the driest deserts to the icy poles, Kate Turkington has traveled there. And now she's inviting you to travel with her through your radio. Travels with Kate is proudly brought to you with the compliments of Cape Union Mart. Kindle your spirit of adventure. The adventure starts here. Sundays at 12 midday, only on 101.9 High FM. Adventure. It's not some rare gene inherited by a few people. It's that human instinct to escape, explore, and discover new places and experience new things. That's why at Cape Union Mart, we strive to awaken this adventurous spirit. Because the best gifts are not things, but moments you create with people who matter. Every adventure starts with Cape Union Mart, with gifts like Salomon, the North Face, and K-Way Adventure Gear. Cape Union Mart, the adventure starts here. 101.9, Kate Turkington here, Hi FM. I was telling you before the break that, that there's somewhere you must go to if you visit Mpumalanga, and it's the Hruskop Gorge Glass Lift. Did you know there was a glass lift in Mpumalanga, in fact? It's the Hruskop or Hruskop uh, Gorge Glass Lift. It plunges 51 metres down the face of the gorge into the forest below. So when you get down there, it's a glass-sided lift. It's wonderful. You pl- well, you don't plunge, go down quite steadily, down to, into the forest. And then there are wooden walkways. There's 600 metres, actually, of wooden walkways. And you can go over suspension bridges, over streams. You can stroll alongside ancient trees, beautiful ferns, beautiful indigenous uh, forests there, wildflowers, birdsong, and commune, if you like, Feed your soul, I suppose, uh, with the indigenous forest. And there's great signage. I have to take my hat off to the company. There's really great signage. It introduces you to your environment and every now and then just very gently reminds you that you go into that forest to think about things, to feed your mind, maybe to feed your uh, soul. I discovered, for example, we have over 800 different species of butterflies. There's a butterfly bar, so you can go to the butterfly bar and learn up more. And also I found out, and you may well know this, if we wiped out insects from the um, face of the earth, the rest of life and humanity would actually vanish 
in a few months. So next time you're about to squash a spider, don't squash a spider. I'm always, always rescuing spiders uh, from the bath. Mosquitoes I'm not so keen on, but I do try and avoid killing any insect whatsoever. Just think, if they were eradicated, we'd all be dead in uh, a few months. So I then went on, uh, after going to a, the Cruscop uh, lift, and by the way, it's a world-class destination. It's not some grotty uh, second, it's, it's absolutely gorgeous, you must go there. And there's a, a very nice community craft centre, there's curio clothing shops, there's a very, very nice art gallery uh, with some good local art in, there's a bar, there's a restaurant where you can actually sit and look over the gorge and while you're eating very fresh produce, fresh meals, you can look over that uh, amazing view. And I went on from uh, the lift, the glass lift, to Misty Mountain Lodge. That's on Long Tom Pass. Again, lots of us say this was just before lockdown, so there were lots of local and international uh, visitors there. Very, very affordable comfortable sandstone cottages and they've all got fridges and microwaves and tea and coffee making facilities and most with views that just stretch forever. Um, if you want to get active, there's guided quad biking, there's trout fishing, mountain biking, birding and there's quite an easy just over three kilometre uh, walking trail whereas if you're a fitness freak or you're very fit then you can do the 27 kilometre uh, forest hike um, and I chatted cause I always chat to everybody who's playing there I chatted to his family whose kids were playing in a very well equipped grassy playground there and a family told me they were in, they'd taken a two-story family house, which you can do, and they said it certainly was their first day, but it wouldn't be uh, their last. So that's that's Misty Mountain uh, for you. And then if we go to KwaZulu-Natal, I mean, where... Must we all go? I'm sure where you've all been. And if you haven't been, it's somewhere you all want to go. And of course, it's the Grand Dame of South African hotels. It's the Oyster Box at Umslange Rocks. And it's actually 20 years now since it did that refurb, reopened its uh, very newly refurbished doors and interiors, still without pier. Look, you need deep pockets, you do, but your stay here will be absolutely uh, memorable. I, if you haven't been there, think about very cool white marble floors, um, ceramic tiles, those very lazily revolving bamboo ceiling fans and the rooms and the suites overlook the Indian Ocean and of course that iconic uh, red and white uh, lighthouse and also you've got the if you've got a sea view you've got that passing show of ships uh, out to sea and what the oyster box has which I love they've got these amazing works by contemporary 
African artists like Sibusisi Zulu and Zakeli Gumbe. Lovely, lovely pictures. So you can walk through the corridors, you can look at the art, you can sit in the gardens, and of course you can eat, eat the food. The food is fabulous. There's, again, it's not overdoing the word iconic, but there's a high tea, a high tea taken at half past three, four o'clock every afternoon with every goodie you could possibly think of. The breakfast, the breakfast uh, always has fresh oysters, smoked salmon, bubbly, of course, and just recently they've introduced freshly made sushi for your breakfast. And I mean, the staff, some of the staff told me they've been there well over 20, 30 years. The staff, absolutely uh, outstanding. So oyster box, I say, you need deep pockets, but what the hell, you've only got one knife, uh, go and do it. And then I moved on to another old lady, but as the very passionate, dedicated young general manager told me, she she said, her name was Sadira, she told me, this is an old lady with Botox. And I was in Shushlui, in what was actually the very first holiday inn in South Africa in 1970. South Africa was the only country in the world outside of of America, to have a holiday in. I wonder if you knew that. Anyway, today she's been um, poked and jabbed and facelifted and, and Botox, and today she's called the A New Hotel Hachislui and Safaris. Lovely, lovely place. 81 spacious, simple rooms, conference venues, Gorgeous gardens with over a thousand trees, a dam, birds, and there's also a very nice five-star self-catering family lodge that sleeps ten. And what's important about this is it's a green hotel. It, it recycles all of its wastewater and very dedicated to uplifting the community. So an affordable an affordable place for families. You can do your day trips to uh, Shishlui. You can go on your own or you can take a guided trip from uh, the hotel. So let me just quickly give you, and uh, um, Uti, I'll put them up on the website, a couple of uh, website addresses, and I'm not saying www every time. It's Malua, M-U-L-U-W-A, .co.za, .za, the Hruscop Gorge Lift Company, .co.za, so worth a visit, and the kids will love that too. Misty Mountain, stop, uh, .za, oysterbox.com, oysterboxhotel.com, and then a new, A-N-E-W, a new hotels.com. So there you are, quite a choice of splurge or save. From the highest mountains to the bluest seas, the driest deserts to the icy poles, Kate Turkington has traveled there. And now she's inviting you to travel with her through your radio. 
Travels with Kate is proudly brought to you with the compliments of Cape Union Mart. Kindle your spirit of adventure. The adventure starts here. Sundays at 12 midday, only on 101.9 High FM. Adventure. It's not some rare gene inherited by a few people. It's that human instinct to escape, explore, and discover new places and experience new things. That's why at Cape Union Mart, we strive to awaken this adventurous spirit. Because the best gifts are not things, but moments you create with people who matter. Every adventure starts with Cape Union Mart, with gifts like Salomon, the North Face and K-Way Adventure Gear. Cape Union Mart, the adventure starts here. Born in Camps Bay in South Africa, Dean Furman, who is former captain of Bafana Bafana, and he won 58 caps for the national team as a midfielder, has been playing football since he was very young. He's played for English clubs, he's played all over the world, and he last played for Bafana Bafana, I think it was at the 2019 Africa Cup of Nations. But what makes Dean particularly interesting for us at High FM is she's Jewish, and there are very, very few Jewish footballers in the world. Anyway, he's with me today to share his story. So, so welcome, Dean. Hi, Kay. Thank you for the lovely intro. Now, how, well, it's all true. <laughs> how, how did it all start, Dean? They, now, do you say soccer or football? Because I know there's this, in, if you're in America, it's football. And so what, what's, what are they saying in England now? Is it football or it's, soccer? It's definitely football over here. Yeah, that's, that's, well, that's what I thought. So how did it all start, the football? Um, so I just I just started as as um, any young boy or girl um, falling in love with the game, playing for my local team with my friends, um, and playing at school just just as as any other boy or girl does. And then at the age of nine, playing for my local side, um, there was a there was a scout there from Chelsea who came and watched the game. Why he chose our game. I don't know. Maybe he was tipped off. There were some good players. I, I don't know. Um, but at the end of that game, he um, called me and my, my parents over to the side and said, look, we'd love to invite you down to Chelsea for a trial with our academy. Um, so from there, I went on a six-week trial. And uh, at the end of that trial, they offered me they offered me a contract. Um, and this is all as, as a nine-year-old, so it's um, you can you can imagine it's it's quite young. And in fact, nowadays they start even younger. The the kids are, are five and six when they're signing them up. Um, that in in one way that's a good thing, but I mean nine years old. It must have been overwhelming to you, Dean. Yeah, I, I think at, at that stage you you just go and have fun. So you don't cancel your other the, the other sports that you're doing. I, I played a lot of tennis at the time. You don't cancel playing with your friends. You don't cancel playing with your school. If you start, if you if you completely focus on one thing, then absolutely it becomes overwhelming. I think at that stage, and, and I know um, speaking to some parents who've got kids in in the academies at the moment, they they encourage you to do other sports and to participate in in other things as well because um at that age it's all about enjoyment it's all about yeah. fun if if, if, you, if you take that away it does become overwhelming and, and unfortunately kids can can lose interest now you're you're on record dean as saying you'd like to see more jewish footballers why do you think so few i mean that's an enormous yes, it, question it, it is and it's one that 
it's one that that um, I, I always get asked and I always discuss. And if if we look at how many Jewish footballers there are, there's there's very very few. Um, if we look in South Africa during my time over there, there was myself and Larry Cohen. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not forgetting anyone else. And if we look over here in, in England, where there's even more players, as hundreds and hundreds of players, um, more than what's in South Africa. At the moment, there's, well, okay, I'm coming to the end of my career, but um, one of my best friends, Joe Jacobson, um, who's had a fantastic career. Mm. Um, there was another player called Nicky Blackman, um, who also had a very, very good career. Um, and there's another young younger player called Scott Kashka. So all in all, there's, there's four Jewish players here who are in the leagues. And, and if you look through any period of time, there'll be one or two, maybe three at the most. So... It really is. Um, it really is a question that, that we ask of why, um, and it, it's hard to put put your finger on. To be honest, it's it's a huge commitment from everyone involved. So my parents, my family. Um, there's a. It's it's very time consuming. Um, it, it is a it is a family commitment to for 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 me to have chased my dream. Um, so that's something that that I had to contend with. Um, of course, I've got brothers and sisters, so that makes that makes it difficult. Um, but I think in general, maybe it's not encouraged as much from parents. Maybe parents want their 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 children to go down the academic route, um, and they don't see being an athlete or a footballer as as a as a career pathway. Um, whereas it was my dream, my parents supported me every step of the way. They 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 were happy whatever direction I wanted to go in. And when I did decide that I wanted to become a full-time footballer, when I was offered the chance at the age of 16, my, my parents backed me um, and said, this is your dream, go and follow it and, and see where it takes you. So I, I think if, if there's a, you've got an all-round network who are supporting you, um, then, then there's an opportunity. And, and what I hope is that, um, I've said this before, is, is myself and and Joe Jacobson and um, Nikki Blackman, we can we can it's a show that there's a pathway to having a professional career as an athlete or as a footballer, um, and it's uh, for me it's the best job in the world. <laughs> well, you're a wonderful uh, role model, and I was thinking about schools. Maybe schools, Jewish schools, don't encourage. I don't know, and I'm speaking, you know, without prior. Uh, knowledge. Uh, maybe Jewish schools don't, don't um, foster or push or motivate kids to do football. Um, so I, I went to a Jewish school, um, and I wouldn't. I w- of course, we did sport as um, physical PE, physical education over here. Um, was it the? It's, it's probably not. The, the specific sporting schools or colleges that that um, kids might go to if they're exceptional in sport, um, that certainly wasn't the focal point of of the school I was at. Um, however, at the time they were very supportive of me um, when I got to uh, fifteen, so that's year eleven, which over here is is GCSE yeah. year, which is our big exam yeah. year. Um, and I was at Chelsea at the time. On a Thursday, they, Chelsea wanted me to, to, um, have day release from school, go and train with the older players as part of my football development. And I've got to be, uh, I've got to say that the school were 100% supportive of me. Um, they gave me the, the license to go and, um, to go and train because they didn't kill. have to. Uh, <laughs> license yeah, yeah, not, to not kill. So, <laughs> yeah, not, not so much James Bond, but, um, they, they, they 
they gave me the opportunity and I was very grateful for that. And that was a big part of my development as a 15 year old to be able to go and train with the older, the yeah. full time players, the older boys. Um, and it, and it meant missing, uh, one day a week of school at a, at a vital time in my education. Um, obviously I had to catch up all the work and, and make sure that, that, uh, any work, any homework that I was up to date with everything. Um, but they were very supportive in that and I'm, I'm very grateful to them for that. And, and Dean, what would you say to parents who perhaps recognize a sporting talent, not necessarily football, maybe tennis, golf, whatever, in a kid? Would you, would you encourage them to foster that child and nurture that child? Absolutely. The most important thing for me is that, is that the child has the, has the love. They have the will. They, they love the sport that they're into. They want to go and practice. They want to go and do extra. They want to stay outside until it gets dark, until, until you're getting <laughs> screamed in for dinner. If you don't have that, that love and that desire from yourself, a parent can't, they, they can't give that to the child. Um, so if it's sometimes what I've seen growing up is that the, the parents actually want it more than the child yes. does. Uh, and that's a difficult, um, that's a difficult relationship because yeah. I've seen before that young when i'm young i'm 12 13 and boys aren't playing well they're they're almost scared to get in the car with their dad because their dad's going to shout at them and i think very quickly these guys these kids will lose interest um and it it just makes for an uncomfortable relationship so for me the biggest thing that i've learned coming out the other side and if i speak to any parents with kids who are um in academies or any other sport it has to be encouraged. It can't be forced. And, and if it comes from, from the child, then, then that's exactly the position that, that, yeah. um, that the parents need to keep themselves in. Um, if it comes from them, I just think somewhere along the line, there's going to be a breakdown. Exactly. Don't push them. It's like in anything, you know, if you want, if dad wants son to be a lawyer or a doctor and the kid hates blood, forget it. Absolutely. <laughs> I was at Fitzsteam for many, many years. So I saw a lot of kids who got pushed into courses that they didn't particularly uh, want to do. And that's, it's reinforcing what you're saying. Do what you want, do what you're good at, and the future, and people will be supportive, uh, then, Absolutely. and you will do well. And just before we get on to some of your favorite travel destinations, I know you've been all around the world, highlights of your career for you? So highlights of my career, I mean, representing my national team was definitely the highlight. It's something that I didn't think would happen, um, being over here, wasn't really getting noticed it's um it's sometimes you go you're out of sight out of mind um but we managed to to uh, get an opportunity and I've, I've always got to to be grateful to Gordon Nickerson who was the profana coach at the time who called me up um for my debut and and gave me my opportunity really so to play for my national team that it's just when I put on that shirt something was different something felt different I felt this like immense pride and I I, I left the country as, as a young boy as a five-year-old but for my grandparents and my parents um I know how special that was for them and all my all my family um, and especially coming back and playing in South Africa that was that was phenomenal because I was very lucky that the job that I loved and, and the sport that I played it, it gave me that opportunity to travel um and to go and to go and experience life in another country, and not only was it was it a country that I knew well, it was a country that 
Um, I had a lot of family, so I got to reconnect with the family that, um, as you'll know, is um, not so easy from being on the other side of the world. So it was um, that's that's one of the highlights playing in playing in South Africa. It was, it was amazing, um, but certainly playing playing for the national team, playing for Bafana Bafana, um, and capturing the, the the country was uh, was definitely the highlight. Now you talk about travelling, and you've travelled so much. Fed, do you have favourite places? Favorite destinations? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Um, so first of all, I've got to say, Tel Aviv is one of my favorite cities in the world. Um, it just—it's—it's it's such a special place. Lovely. Been beach. there many times. The beaches are fantastic. Yeah. The food's fantastic. Um, expensive. Yes. <laughs> expensive, but expensive. Um, and particularly, what I love most about it is that it can be two, three in the morning, and, and the promenade's busy. People are walking. People are—it's there's always life there. There's, it's always something going on. Um, so that was always a favourite, and it's—it's it's a place that's not too far to travel from from over here. There's always a wedding there, or um, <laughs> so there's always or a bar mitzvah or something, or a bar yeah. mitzvah. There's always a, there's always a reason to go there. So and and yeah, it's it's always fantastic. Um, now, of course, living in South Africa, I have to mention South Africa because what we did, I was with my, um, my wife. It was just the two of us. We didn't have any children. So any opportunity we had, we'd go and explore the country. So we lived in Johannesburg. Um, but we'd, we'd go down to Cape Town. We'd go on safari, which is one of our absolute favorite things to do. Um, so South Africa as a tourist destination, I'm, I, uh, can't tell, tell, shout about it enough to people over here. Well, now um, you've, now so, you, you've got two children. You've got to bring them on. So how old are they, Dean? So we've got a two and a half year old and a three month old. Oh. So a, li- a little <laughs> bit of time before we go on safari, but as uh, at the first opportunity, we will absolutely be bringing them over, um, to share some of the experiences that we had. And I'm, um, I'm, I'm going to ask you a question. It troubles me a bit. Um, it's the corruption in football. We know there's corruption in cricket. We know there's corruption. I once asked the Blue Bulls, lock, is there corruption in rugby? You said when there's 15 aside, it's very difficult for corruption uh, to work. I'm not asking you to put your life on the line here, but is it still fairly clean? From my personal experience, now you can go on Netflix and there's a there's a program about FIFA that that yeah. discusses all about the corruption. Oh, yeah, that's um, shocking. Which which it goes on. There's obviously things that that aren't so clean, um, and that program certainly highlights um, some of the things that have gone on. But from my personal experience, I've never been approached to to throw a game or to score an own goal or to get a yellow card. It's uh, there's, there's obviously betting that goes on. There's obviously, um, there's obviously, um, a lot of money involved in the game. Um, but for me personally, there was never any reason to believe that at the at playing level, there's any sort of, of corruption or people with, with bad agendas trying to get involved in the game. So I, I was lucky that I avoided it. It wouldn't be something that I would have ever yeah. entertained because, um, sports all about integrity and honesty for me. Um, and yes, we, we break the rules every now and again with a dive and, and a bit of, um, <laughs> a bit of play acting, but uh, on, the, on the bigger picture, we, um, it's all about integrity and honesty. And, and if I was ever approached in, in that fashion, it would have been the, not, not even remotely entertained from me. 
And just one final question, Dean. You talked about you're coming towards the end of your career. So how do you see your future? So it's a very difficult time for for athletes, um, footballers in general. There's there's a lot of news uh, out there about how footballers kind of struggle in that transition period, and and that's the period that I'm in at the moment. I'm coming to the end of my career. Um, sadly, I'm coming up to 35. I can't run around forever. Um, and firstly, I, I was very blessed to have to have lived my dream. Uh, not many people get to do that, so I'm I'm very lucky to have actually had. 15, 16 years of being a professional footballer. And that for me is, is just, I'm very, very lucky because I know there's millions of boys and girls who only dream of, of doing that. And I actually got to live it. But the, the reality is, is, uh, it comes to an end. That's, that's the life of an athlete. It's, it's short lived. Um, and what happens is at that 34, 35, you've, I've got more responsibilities than ever. I've got bills to pay. I've got mouths to feed. I've got a family to, uh, to support. Uh, and you have to act very quickly. So for me, I've, I've gone on a slightly different path to, to the coaching path, which, which is something that's hovering in the background. Uh, I've moved into financial services. Uh, which is something that I've always been interested in. And it's, um, I'm taking my, my, in kind of first few years of, of, um, understanding financial services and learning more and more about it, um, and building my, my client base and, and just, just a complete transition from football. So it's, um, it's something that I've taken on board and it's something that I'm really enjoying and, um, it's, uh, hopefully going to be, um, might not be as exciting as my football career, but it's uh, it's a journey that I'm looking forward to taking. Oh, well, thank you so much, Dean. And just as a totally professional aside, you've got a wonderful speaking voice. Have you thought about commentating? At all? <laughs> thank you. Um, I do actually do a, bit, a little bit of media. Do you? Do you? Um, yes, do you? I, do, I do some media over here. So so there's um, um, certainly when there's, when there's a bit of... Um, African influence in the game. So yeah. the African Cup of Nations, which was on, uh, which was broadcast with a commentary, um, which I absolutely loved. Um, and then for the World Cup, I was involved with BBC for, uh, on some of their platforms, um, from a commentary point of view. So it's something that I really enjoy. Um, it's something that, that, um, I do get involved with. And maybe in the future, that might be something that, that I, um, I look into a little bit more. Well, we'll be listening for your voice, Dean, and thanks so much for being with us. Such a pleasure. Lovely. Oh, it's my pleasure. It's my pleasure. It's um, yeah, it's all, always great to have a, have a chat, and and especially about South Africa. Always, okay. always happy to see. Bye. Bye. Then. Lovely. Thanks so much. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. From the highest mountains to the bluest seas, the driest deserts to the icy poles, Kate Turkington has travelled there. And now she's inviting you to travel with her through your radio. Travels with Kate is proudly brought to you with the compliments of Cape Union Mart. Kindle your spirit of adventure. The adventure starts here. Sundays at 12 midday, only on 101.9 High FM. Adventure. It's not some rare gene inherited by a few people. It's that human instinct to escape, explore, and discover new places and experience new things. That's why at Cape Union Mart, we strive to awaken this adventurous spirit. Because the best gifts are not things, but moments you create with people who matter. Every adventure starts with Cape Union Mart. 
with gifts like Salomon, the North Face and K-Way Adventure Gear. Cape Union Mart, the adventure starts here. Good afternoon, 101.9 High FM. We're talking books now. And I just want to start off by telling you a little story. It's a good few years ago now, but one of my daughters was doing graduate studies in Arizona in the States. And I found out that the author, Barbara Kingsolver, was living in Arizona at the time. Any of you who've read the Poison Bible, for, for me, up to now, her most amazing work will recognize her name. Wonderful storyteller. And I said to my daughter, do you think you could fix up an interview with me for Barbara Kingsolver, who is notoriously interview shy. Anyway, my daughter managed it, and my late husband and I, Alan, and I went off to do an interview with Barbara King Solver, and we got on so well with her and her husband that we stayed at the ranch all day. We had lunch with them. We had supper with them. Her husband, Stephen, is an ornithologist, very keen birder, so we also taught birds some of the time. And at the end of the day, she, she, I went into her study, was piled with books and papers and whatever, and she said, I've just finished the manuscript of a book I've called The Poisonwood Bible. And she said, it's gone to the editor, it's gone to the copy editors. She said, you're from South Africa because The Poisonwood Bible is set in Africa. If you've read it, you'll know that. If you haven't read it, read it. You will love it. She said to me, would you mind just reading it and seeing if anything, I've got anything wrong. And I, I went back to South Africa, I read the book, loved it. And there was just one thing I noticed. She talked about a paradise flycatcher, that little girl, a bird, many of you see in your gardens at this time of year, it's a migrant has come, come down from uh, North Africa. And she talked about it clumsily navigating its way through a tree. And I said, no, they're the daintiest, lightest, they flit about the trees. So I, I wrote back to email back and said, that's just one thing, and I love your book. And that was that, as I thought. Then when the Poisonwood Bible came out, and it was a world bestseller, much to my joy and amazement, in the list of acknowledgments, she said, and a special thanks to Kate Turkington in South Africa. So that was my moment of fame. Why I tell you that story is her book, Since the Poisonwood Bible, I have to say, I haven't particularly enjoyed. But now she has written a 500-page new one called Demon Copperhead. It's published by Faber and Favourites and all the bookshops at the moment. Demon Copperhead by Barbara Kingsolver. And she's absolutely back in her best storytelling mode. You will not put this book down. And interestingly enough, she has based it, and she makes no qualms about saying she'd based it on Dickens' David Copperfield. So it's a story of an orphan and how he makes good and how he doesn't make good and his friends. So as David Copperfield, if I remember rightly, I must reread it, actually starts with 
I was born, and so does Demon Copperhead. He starts his story with his very traumatic birth to a single mother in a single wide trailer looking like a little blue prize fighter. The book set in America and the Appalachians. Now, I had to look up where the Appalachians were because I don't know them. I've never visited. But if you go inland from the East Coast, just below New York, and you go all the way down to Georgia, that whole range of mountains and territory are the, is, or are the Appalachian uh, Mountains. It's the poorest most poverty-stricken part of America. It's the home of the hillbillies. And some of you will remember television programs like Par and Mark Kessel, where they made fun of hillbillies. And hillbillies are still made fun of today. And this is almost one of the themes of Barbara's book. She's trying to restore dignity to those hard-working Dirt poor people, even in today's America, dirt poor with nothing, living on grants, living in uh, trailers, trying to give them uh, dignity. So the book is set in the southern Appalachian Mountains of Virginia. And poverty isn't an idea, as she says. It's as natural as the grass grows. And for a generation growing up now in this world, it's actually the heart, and I didn't know this, it's the heart of the modern opioid crisis. Addiction isn't some kind of a, a, an abstraction. It's your parents, it's your family, it's your neighbours. Uh, opioids. I haven't watched the TV documentary Dope Sick, which is all about the opioid uh, crisis, but apparently it's coming here into South Africa at the moment too, so be very, very careful if your doctor prescribes painkillers. Just make sure uh, you know what you're taking because they're highly, highly addictive. So, demon born on the wrong side of luck, no affection, no safety. He gets taken in by a neighbouring family and one day he longs to see the ocean. And the wonder is in how far he's willing to try and to get there. And he becomes a professional football player. Now, not football like we were talking with Dean Furman a little while ago. This is American football, uh, which, of course, is gaining popularity all over the world now. You needn't know anything about American football. I know nothing, even though once I was taken to an American football uh, game. But it's about family. It's about love. It's about truth. It's about anger. It's about compassion. And the book is peopled with characters like Dickens' David Copperfield. You will never, ever forget. So can't recommend it highly enough. Be prepared to get addicted yourself because it's a very long book. It's over 500 pages, but it really is a page turner. Demon Copperfield by Barbara Kingsolver, uh, published by Faber and Faber, and it's in all the bookshops at the moment. Okay, and another fascinating book called 
my friend Anne Frank. Um, we all know the story of Anne Frank. doesn't matter what religion you belong to, where you live in the world. Most schools teach the story of Anne Frank as a story of love and cruelty and hate and compassion and endurance. Well, the book, my friend Han, um, Anne Frank, is by Hannah Pink Gosler. Now, who was or is Hannah Pink Gosler? Well, when Hannah's family fled Nazi Germany for Amsterdam, she struck up a very close relationship with her next-door neighbour. And who was that? The precocious, the outspoken, the fun-loving Anne Frank. And, of course, they immediately became friends. And for seven years, seven blissful years, she says, they became inseparable. And together they navigated school, boys, coming of age there in Amsterdam. But then, of course, we all know the story. In 1942, life changed dramatically for the 13-year-old girls. Uh, without warning, Hannah called on Anne. Nothing. Gone. Where is she? No, no notion. And it wasn't until Hannah herself reached her, her own very deepest, darkest point. She was imprisoned with her family in Bergen-Belsen concentration camp that she had. I mean, it's almost unbelievable. This reads like fiction, but it's fact. She had an astonishing chance reunion with her friend Anne Frank. And Hannah only learned of Anne's death after the liberation when Otto Frank, her father, came to visit her in hospital. So this is really a groundbreaking uh, memoir because Hannah, she shows a very intimate or reveals a very intimate portrait of Anne, things we haven't learned from Anne herself. So there you are, my friend Anne Frank by Hannah Fick Gosler, published by Penguin and in all the shops at the moment. Heartrending, heartrending story. And I'm sure many of you will have visited Anne Frank's house in Amsterdam, which is, of course, now, a, I don't know what the expression is, a national monument or whatever, where that child hid for so long until she was uh, betrayed to the Nazis and subsequently died in a concentration camp. OK, that's the programme for today. We've got through quite a lot. We got through spots, top spots I've suggested for you. Splurge or save, I've called them. Deep pockets, or if you're on more of a budget, places for you to visit in Mpumalanga, Zula Natal. We talked to Dean Furman. What a remarkable, what a remarkable guy. Uh, one of the only Jewish football players in the world and, and amazingly was captain of our national team here in South Africa, captain of Bafana Bafana. And then I've suggested some 
books for you. So please keep the emails coming in. It's kate at hi.co.za. Remember that hi is C-H-A-I, the Jewish word for love and life. Kate at hi.co.za. You can go on to my website, which is kate at kateturkington.com, which will often have photographs of the places I've talked about. And of course, if you've missed any of the previous programs, you can go to our main website, highfm.com, and you can have a look at the uh, podcast. And as I've said, most of the places, in fact, I think all of the places I've talked about, from St. Helena to wherever you will find photographs and stories on my website, Kate, at kateturkington.com. Okay. That's all for this week. Thanks to Uti, my controller, Harry, my uh, producer. Have a great weekend. Lots of love, lots of life. Take care of yourself and take care of others too. Adventure. It's not some rare gene inherited by a few people. It's that human instinct to escape, explore, and discover new places and experience new things. That's why at Cape Union Mart, we strive to awaken this adventurous spirit. Because the best gifts are not things, but moments you create with people who matter. Every adventure starts with Cape Union Mart, with gifts like Salomon, the North Face, and K-Way Adventure Gear. Cape Union Mart, the adventure starts here.